Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Reckless speculation. Oh, yes, it's that time two days early because, of course, it's Reckless Speculation Thursday. But on Tuesday, we we sort of set the table for Reckless Speculation. Judd, Declan, Darren Doogie Wilson, the star of the show, the man who not only recklessly speculates, but more importantly, brings us real concrete information. And let's start here. Baseball winter meetings on, ongoing in San Diego. There has been action, but more importantly, there has been a ton of reckless speculation. What can you tell us? Uh, about what's going on with the Twins, starting with this one, the Carlos Correa update, the latest on the shortstop. Well, happy Tuesday, Judd. Hello, Declan. I'm very jealous, jealousy and envy for my colleagues who are out in San Diego right now. Just got back from a walk with Scooby, nearly fell on my ass multiple times, way too much ice. He's a puller. It had been a couple days since he had been out on a walk, so I don't blame him. He's 100 pounds. And so he was pulling and yanking and all that. So I'm just grateful I didn't break my leg in the last 20 minutes, Judd. So that's a good thing. Okay. On Correa. Mm -hmm. So I tweeted on Friday that the twins were set to meet face-to-face with Correa in the coming days. Well, that meeting took place on Saturday in Southern California, a little north of San Diego, but a drive for the twins brass from San Diego. While at that meeting, Scott Boris represents a number of free agents. Scott has Carlos Rodon and Xander Bogarts as well. Kudos to the Athletic for first reporting the information on those two guys, Bogarts and Rodon, also being at that meal on Saturday. Also last night, the Twins had another face-to-face with Scott. So talks are starting to pick up. Judd, I am led to believe, especially after the Trey Turner news, 11-year contract. Now, the average annual value, $27.5 million, is not ridiculous. But 11 years for Trey Turner may be slightly ridiculous. I have a hard time believing Scott is willing to accept way less term than 11. Now, would he be willing to accept 10 for Carlos? Or will Carlos also get 11 or even 12? Is there a team out there willing to do a 12-year deal for Carlos? That's the way that Scott operates, right? Trey Turner is with Creative Arts Agency. Trey Turner is not with Scott. Scott wants to trump what Trey Turner got. Now, that doesn't mean that that's a foregone conclusion, but just knowing Scott, those who have worked with Scott, who have done deals with Scott, it's just the way that Scott operates. The Twins, Judd, are willing to do a 10-year deal. 
I don't know as I sit here at 12-12 Central on Tuesday afternoon if they're willing to go to that 11th year, but they are willing to do a 10-year deal. Really? Interesting. Um, how how much of a leap would, would that be, too? Because, I mean, they're, they're obviously then is concerned about the back end of the contract and what the player is doing for you uh, if he's still with you in 10 years. Uh, this seems like a pretty significant uh, potential number as far as the uh, term for contract goes. Well, I mean, heck, Judd, you find me one of these long-term deals going back the last decade plus yep. that look good the final couple years, right? right? Whether it's Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols. I mean, we can cite any number of examples. You are gunning for those first six years minimum that Correa can stay at shortstop. Then you would hope that he can make a transition to probably third base, but I suppose maybe first by year seven or, or maybe year eight. But you know on the back end of that contract, yep. inevitably there are going to be hurdles. But mm-hmm. there is a thought that Correa, with his athleticism, with his hands, it's not like it's shortstop or bust. If he had to transition in seven or eight years or even in six years to another position, the thought is he is brilliant enough that he could make that transition. There's also concern. There was a report in The Athletic about the Phillies who did meet with Correa, but Trey Turner was their clear-cut top choice. We can debate that, whether you would rather have Turner or Correa. For the Twins, it's clear-cut Correa. For the Phillies, it was clear-cut Turner. I am a huge Trey Turner fan, so I would be happy with either. But there was a report from The Athletic that there are some concerns about Correa with his lower back and if you are going to invest 10 or 11 years in Correa how does the back hold up now the comeback on the twins inquiry on that because inevitably people are going to say well are the twins concerned about his lower back sure it's on their radar but if they're willing to do a 10-year deal it's not that much on their radar Interesting. So has, has this been an ongoing problem for Correa? I, I don't recall this being a big talking point last season. I don't remember it being a talking point last season either. This goes back to his time in in Houston. I have not heard any Twins officials reference any sort of concern about okay. the lower back, but I did find it interesting when I read it in one of those athletic stories. I I do find it interesting that the market's clearly moving finally quicker than it has in previous years, right? Turner signs. um, Guys are now starting to sign. Verlander signs a lot earlier than previous years. But as time goes on, let's say, you know, we get into mid-January, Correa's still not signed by any team. Is he probably more open to doing another short-term or opt-out lace deal early on? Or do you think that he will wait it out for that right 10-year, 8-year, 11-year, whatever deal it looks like to get the long-term money now. But I just feel like as time goes on, he wants to be on a team at some point, he might have to sacrifice some of that term so he can actually just get paid and maybe cash out again next year. Declan, my sense is the latter. In fact, I believe when we talk in mid-January, we will know Carlos Correa's destination. I just don't think this thing is going to stretch much beyond the next five to six weeks. Now, maybe there's some leeway in there. Maybe it's January 18th. You know, maybe he's on the cusp at that point. It could be far sooner. I mean, Declan, he has taken meetings. It's not like the only team he met with was the Twins. I noted the Phillies meeting. He also has met with the Cubs. 
So if you start having these face-to-face meetings, Scott is working it right now as agent at the winter meetings, another face-to-face with the Twins last night, probably face-to-face meetings with some other teams. It's ramping up to the point of Correa should come off the board here sooner rather than later. I'll continue to say the Twins would prefer for him to commit sooner rather than later. The Twins don't want to play this game deep into January. The Twins would love to wrap up a deal with Carlos sometime very, very soon. So, Dukes, that's a talking point one regarding the Twins. Talking point two is probably the story that the Athletic had. It was it was speculatory in some ways, but it definitely came from sources that the team would be, if I'm quoting this correctly, willing to trade Luis Arise for the right package in a in a trade for a starting pitcher based not as much on 2023 as 2024 because three of their of their starters, including what Sonny Gray, Maeda, and Mally, are going to be free agents after 23. What is your or what do your spies tell you about the Arise trade talk? Well, I would say this, Judd. Literally everybody, depending on the return, is on the table. Now, do I foresee a Byron Buxton trade? I don't. Do I foresee, especially coming off the injury, an Alex Kirilov trade or a Royce Lewis trade? I don't. The point is, like, if we wanted to, you know, if we wanted to write something slightly speculative in nature, but the Twins have been getting nibbles on Max Kepler. Right now, I get it. Arise, batting champ. That one is going to grab more headlines than Max Kepler. But do know the Twins have been listening to Max Kepler inquiries. So I would not be shocked if Kepler ends up elsewhere. So the point is, Judd, they are very open-minded on many, many guys. And if the return is an ace, someone like, let's say, Zach Gallen of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who has fans here. Heck, he's got fans in many organizations you're a fan he is a big timer if i'm arizona i'm not trading him but the point is if that's the sort of return you can get you would happily move Luis arise as weird as that might sound Mm -hmm. you've got some depth you're not quite sure what position he is although he was a gold glove finalist at first base but you still wonder about what position he's best at and whatever position that is is he a plus defender truly a plus defender Yes, the bat plays, but if you can bring back one of the 15 best pitchers in the game, you do it. So that's the idea, that if you can bring back a pitcher with multiple years of control that is already really, really good, sure, you will absolutely listen on Luis Arise. Is Rodon a serious target here, or are, are they just talking and it's going to really take Correa's decision before and anyone else is potentially of that nature is potentially signed. Yes, certainly the latter. Like they're not signing Carlos Rodon today before getting some sort of finality on on the Correa situation. Remember, I reported back in March the Twins did make Correa an offer before he ultimately chose the Giants offer. The Twins mm-hmm. were not willing to go as high as the Giants did. The Twins had some injury concerns back in March, but they were willing to do a short-term deal. Now the word is Rodon is looking for, I don't fault him, after his very successful year, a five- or a six-year deal. So I do wonder if some of those medical question marks still remain in the Twins organization. I'm not sure he answered every medical question this past year, but make no mistake, Carlos Rodon was a big-timer. 
for the San Francisco Giants. And the Twins would love to add a lefty in the rotation. They would love to add somebody that can, you know, move ahead of Sonny Gray to start opening day, or I guess Joe Ryan, I guess, technically started what opening day last year. Was it Gray? Was it a road game? And then Ryan got the home start. Point is, it got backed up. You would, if they could, acquire somebody that pushes everybody down a rung, including Gray, including Ryan, including Malley, including Maeda. But like until you get some clarity, some finality on the Correa situation, the Twins are not moving, you know, sort of full steam ahead on on the Carlos Rodon situation. But we know just based on on what they what they offered. I mean, it was a full fledged offer. It's not like they were nibbling. I mean, they tried to sign Carlos Rodon back in March. So after his very successful year, it shouldn't be surprising that once again they have some level of interest. What uh, is this team going to do at catcher, too? Because they've got Jeffers. uh, Sanchez is not going to be back. Catching is actually, it's not just a position at which they can sniff around. They actually need help there. What is going to be the potential at catcher? And is uh, a guy like Vasquez on the table potentially? Yeah, well, yeah, he is on the table. I mean, it's simultaneous. It's let's negotiate on the Correa front, but let's also, at the very same time, like it's a priority. Right now, as we speak, this week in San Diego, and you can sign one. Acquire a catcher. Now, the word on Vasquez is he wants a four-year deal. The Twins can probably land him if they're willing to go to that fourth year. Mm -hmm. He'll turn thirty-three next season, so he's Mm thirty-two now. So, are you willing to pay him decent money for his age thirty-six season? That is the question. But he is priority number one. Like I can tell you, so the Twins met on a catcher. Last night, Tucker Barnhart was pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Barnhart is very much on the Twins' radar if they swing and miss on another guy. So in this meeting, the Twins insinuated, hey, we like Barnhart, but we're working on another guy. If we miss on that guy, we'll circle back to you. And so the strong belief is that other guy is indeed Christian Vasquez. It's just, it's easier to sign a catcher yeah. than to trade for one. But, you know, I said it for a couple of weeks. I'll say it again now. The Twins have had dialogue with the Oakland A's, with the Toronto Blue Jays, two organizations who have catchers readily available. But it's just always easier to sign a guy. So, yes, Christian Vasquez is the top priority as we speak. Did they just not like Sanchez much, or did, does he want too much? What's the, because I mean, he, he certainly wasn't a great catcher. But I'm I'm just curious what their takeaway was from his one season here. Well, I mean, do you like Gary Sanchez? Not Does anybody really truly like Gary? I don't think he's a good catcher. I just he's don't not think a good, good catcher. catcher. You said it. I mean, I, I he's a big leaguer. You know, yeah. he'll he'll sign a major league deal. Like I don't think he needs to sign some sort of minor league type deal. But yes, I mean, you don't want Gary Sanchez catching seventy, eighty-ish, ninety-ish games next year. The Twins have come to that conclusion and if he's not going to be a catcher the twins yeah. need to free up enough dh type at bats like there just That's isn't right. a spot gary sanchez is a big leaguer like there's no denying that but he's not a big leaguer here in minnesota anymore he's a pittsburgh pirate he's the ideal pirate um on on the wolves okay well one so more what... twins note by the way oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's you know as as we have all these twins talking points it's very very low on the on the list but uh, don't be shocked if they sign a former major league pitcher to a non-roster deal. His name is Patrick Murphy. It's not quite done. 
but don't be surprised if that eventually ends yeah. up happening. A pitcher by the name of Patrick Murphy. Judd, I will buy you a million wings next time we go to Park Tavern if you can tell me the last Major League team that Patrick Murphy played for. Sounds like an Oakland A to me. Not an Oakland A. Although, Declan, you might need to go to the Google. I know he has pitched for the Washington Nationals. <laughs> he sounds like I an think A. the Phillies as well. Maybe the Blue Jays. Not the A's. Patrick Murphy. And I'm not if you Google Patrick Murphy, spook, Declan, dude. put in pitcher Patrick Murphy because yeah. there's some other Patrick looks Murphy like, luminaries that trump the pitcher. Looks like Toronto, Washington. Uh, Philadelphia? Let's see here. Toronto, Washington are the first sorry, two I've seen. Or is he a bullpen arm? He is a. He would be depth. He would be a guy that probably yeah. starts the year in yeah. St. Paul, and if he can help you, more so probably yeah. in the bullpen. Gotcha. You know, midsummer, so be it. I mean, every organization signs guys to non-roster deals, right? Minor league contract, invite to big league spring training, and if we need to add you to the forty man at some point later on, we will. So that is a name, Patrick yeah. Murphy, who has pitched in the majors before. On to the Wolves. Um. Okay. After last week. All right. Like this is, and I understand the show can be a little bit confusing at times because it's reckless speculation tied to uh, things that that are going on where you don't recklessly speculate. But I feel like I got more questions about last week's show and the wolves and what you talked about, which is to quote you, I believe exactly there is there are some issues in the locker room, finger pointing wise. But then you also went down the path of if this keeps up, that you know that just speculation wise things could probably won't but could change and this turned into an aggregated mess of people misunderstanding what you said completely because i listened to you and i knew exactly what you were saying but long story short they beat the grizzlies they then lose a brutal game in which they play they get tech they get several technicals to okc on saturday it doesn't feel like it's changing much like what can you tell us about and i saw the star tribune now has a story that they miss beverly which i'm sure they do uh, but, like, what can you tell us about what just feels like overall dysfunction with a team that can't get on track? Yeah, I mean, they miss Bev, but, like, they weren't, like, reluctant to move him. Like, right. I think Bev has a shelf life. Yes. Maybe it's just one year. But, yeah, I mean, Bev had a big impact on that locker room. There's no doubt about that. You look at Saturday. I mean, they had J.D. McDaniels back. They had Jordan McLaughlin back. Okay, no cat notorium Prince, but you should not be giving up that many points to Oklahoma City. Are you kidding me? All right, let me clarify for the aggregators especially. Aggregators are starting to drive me nuts, Judd. I had, so Droogie plays on a basketball team. One of his teammates' dad sent me a text the other day, a story from heavy.com. Not familiar with heavy.com, but it's a website out there. Headline was, Vikings analyst slams Andrew Booth Jr. draft pick. All right. Did I slam that pick? I laid out the facts that, hey, he's one of the youngest rookies around. Like, there are many chapters to go. The final chapter hasn't been written. Has this year been a disappointment? 100%. Did teams around the league have medical red flags on him that they weren't going to take him? Day one or day two? Yes. Okay. Talent-wise, though, he should have been a first-round pick, right? So, like, let's see how that situation plays out. But I'm not quite sure I, I, quote, slammed the selection. I just – I laid out the facts, okay? So, let me 
let me clarify for, for the aggregators. When I alluded to finger pointing, not necessarily in the locker room, more so just questions being asked, right? Front office-wise, yeah. ownership-wise, coaching staff-wise, just questions. Okay, this is a pretty large sample size now that we are one-fourth of the way through the season, darn near one-third of the way through the season. Mm-hmm. Okay, is the Rudy Gobert experiment working? Now, these are conversations that every front office has on a number of guys. These front offices meet on a daily basis, right? I actually think it's a good thing that there's some healthy dialogue going on. That not everybody is a yes man to Tim Connolly. That Tim is open to having some difficult conversations. So some of those difficult conversations have been had. On Chris Finch, as I said last week, I'll double down right now. He is in zero trouble. Mark Laurie led the bus, but others were on board signing him to a very nice contract extension in April. They are not all of a sudden pulling the plug eight months later or whatever it is. It's just not happening. Maybe sometime later on, I was more opining that Quinn Snyder, to me, is a top five tactician in the game. Well, he's not in the game, right? So he should be in the game. He should be coaching somebody's roster, and he clearly has intimate knowledge of Rudy Gobert. He also has a good relationship with Dell Demps, who's now in the Wolves front office. Dell was an assistant coach for Quinn Snyder in Utah. But again, I was opining, not reporting anything. All right, Chris Finch is this team's coach. I think Chris Finch is still a very good coach, especially an offensive coach. Just look at some of the numbers, you know, coming out of timeouts, plays designed. Chris Finch knows what he's doing in-game. I think it's been a rough go for Elston Turner, their de facto defensive coordinator, trying to get these guys to play the defense that he's hoping for. And I think Chris Finch has struggled at times coaching effort, which is, to me, a head-scratcher. I don't know why you would have to coach effort, but they just haven't played hard at different times. But you look at the Western Conference standings, Judd, it's still a mess, right? Dallas is starting to play a little bit better. Kawhi Leonard Paul George finally back for the Clippers. Look at Memphis. What Memphis did last night, down John Morant, down Jaron Jackson Jr., down some other guys. Tyus Jones goes off. They beat the Miami Heat. Like, Memphis isn't going anywhere. Memphis is legit. Jenkins is a really, really good coach. In fact, that Wolves win on Wednesday, forcing all those turnovers. I mean, forget the Indiana game. To me, the Memphis game was their best effort of the year, just considering the opponent. I would not throw in the towel on anything, anything crazy on the Wolves. Sure, I've joked, how bad would it be if the Wolves end up in the lottery and somehow win the lottery? And that pick conveys to Utah when there's this all-world prospect, this guy, the 7'3 center from France that does it all, plays like Chet Holmgren, but is taller than Chet, is a little bit thicker than Chet can handle the ball a little bit better than Chet. He's the best draft prospect in a really long time, maybe since LeBron. Now, if you want to debate Zion or a couple other guys, fine. But we may have to go back 20 years for a draft prospect like this. So could you imagine if somehow the Wolves ended up with the first pick and don't get to keep that pick? That's more 
course joking, not. laughing. Wolves. Although Wolves fans, I get it. They don't have not a tolerance for any sort of jokes uh-uh. like that. But I don't think it's a train wreck. It's also not Kumbaya over there. But I don't think it's nearly as bad as some people are are portraying. And hopefully that clarifies things that just, you know, some some difficult conversations have been had wondering, okay, what are our thoughts so far through the first one-fourth of the season on the Gobert experiment? And I've said, Judd, it's not just Rudy, right? But when you look at his blocked shots, what the heck has happened? Sure, he's altering a number of shots, but he used to block a lot of shots. Like, he's got the same amount of blocks as Shea Gilgis-Alexander, practically. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. But it's not just on Gobert, right? D'Angelo Russell, roller coaster, Ant, better of late. But he had some roller coaster to his game earlier this year, right? But, like, you just you look at the overall rebounding numbers, you know, what's different than last year? In fact, last year they were better at, at – you know, grabbing the ball on, on the offensive glass, right? They were a pretty good offensive rebounding team last year. Those numbers aren't there this year. They were a bad defensive rebounding team last year. They're a bad defensive rebounding team this year. At least Wednesday was a snapshot that, hey, okay, we can force a lot of turnovers. We then can get in transition, forcing that many turnovers against a good Memphis team, a Memphis team that really doesn't turn the ball over like that, that was progress. But yeah, unfortunately, they take a massive step backwards on on Saturday. Practice days today, yesterday, pretty rare in season to have back-to-back practice days. They did take Sunday off. So I fully expect one heck of an effort tomorrow night against the Indiana Pacers. Final scoops. Well, where would you like to go, Judd? On the Vikings, I mean, how do we not talk Vikings? Cam Dantzler Sr. is on track to be back on Sunday, redemption game. Remember last year yeah. in Detroit for, for camp. So that's good news. Caleb Evans, multiple concussions now, you know, over the course of multiple weeks. Not a shock that Kevin O'Connell on Monday ruled him out already for Sunday. I wouldn't necessarily at this point rule out Christian Darisol. Always thought there was no way he was playing against the Jets. I pretty much looked at either Detroit or the Indy game for Darisol's return. So. I wouldn't necessarily at this point as we sit here on Tuesday. We'll clearly know more tomorrow. But as we sit here on Tuesday, I would not necessarily rule out Derisaw for Sunday. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Dukes. And we will talk to you on Thursday. Okay, sounds good, boys. Take it easy.